This is a story of the Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to a sort of Star Wars podcast, a podcast that's sort of about Star Wars and sort of about everything else, but this time it's about Star Wars. And we got Josh is participating with us today. Hi, Josh. Hello, hello. How are you? Good, good, good. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. First time on the podcast, but not your first time podcasting. Josh is a veteran podcast now. You've got how many episodes under your belt? Uh, Like nine or ten so far. Oh, man, you made it. You've made it. <clears throat> so Josh has a pretty awesome podcast, um, and I will let him plug that at the end of the episode. Um, but he is... Uh, we've talked for a little while because he has uh, enjoyed my podcast, and so I thought I'd have him on to talk about Rogue One. Um, so every month we've been talking about... Uh, we've taken one um, aspect of Rogue One to kind of focus on, and today me and Josh are talking about Krennic, Orson Callis, Callan, Callis Krennic. I forget his middle name, but something like that. I I wrote that in my notes too. <laughs> I, yeah, Cal Orson Callan Krennic. Callan. I don't know if I don't know if that's just from like the novelization of the movie. I don't know yeah. if they ever like talked to him by name, but <laughs> it's one of those things where like you go into like the Wikipedia about him, and you're like. How is there this must must wow? How is there this much information on a character that's in one movie? <laughs> I know. <clears throat> I didn't know. Like when I was like taking notes, I was like, uh, most of these notes are coming from Wikipedia. I don't know if that's appropriate for a podcast episode no, about good. a movie. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, you just can't cite it as a source. You can use it, right? That's what it always was oh, in high right. school. You, can, <laughs> yeah. you can't cite it as a source. Um, you have to cite its sources, <laughs> right at the bottom, right? Um. So before we get into talking about Rogue One, um, let's do let's um, talk about our patrons quick, and then we'll do some get to know you questions for Josh. All right. So this episode is brought to you by our patrons. We have John H, Valerie W, Tyler G, Ali H, Aaron L, Dan B, Tim S, Carrie, well Casey W, Melissa S, Spicy J, and last but not least, Josh Rich. There he is. Woot woot. <laughs> And Josh is our official first Jedi Knight patron, which I'm pretty excited about because he gets bonus episodes. So I'm excited. You'll be like, they'll be just for you. I'll tailor them just for Josh. It'll be oh, like, that's going to be so awesome. Good morning, Josh. So How are excited. you? <laughs> um, we, should, we should probably launch our Patreon so then we can do our like back and forth. Yes. You can be like. <laughs> yes, we'll just have our bonus episodes where it's just to Josh and just to Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I got some get-to-know-you questions because my listeners don't know who you are, but they will. Um, what is, Josh, in your opinion, the best candy to put in a milkshake? Right off the top of my head, I'm going to have to say Oreos. Oh, Oreos. Yeah. Cookies and cream milkshakes are probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. From a specific place or just in like, is there a place you go that like mm. I always get their cookies and cream milkshake? You know, most of the time that we go out for milkshakes, I try a different flavor. Mm. My wife always, always gets Reese's peanut butter cup (laughs) with hot fudge in her milkshake without fail. (laughs) Um, But usually I like to like try a little bit of everything. Um, But I probably have to say that my best Oreos cookies and cream milkshake comes from this place called Nielsen's where they put custard in their milkshakes Mm. instead of ice cream. Yes. It's so good. Custard is amazing. Um, And I just noticed your t-shirt. Love it. It's a Riot Media yep. t-shirt. <laughs> I didn't catch it till you leaned back, and I was like, yes, yes. I've um, yep, just gotten the mail uh, yesterday or two days ago. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, next question. What is the lowest amount of money that you would pick up off the floor of a porta potty <laughs> What? <laughs> the lowest amount of money. Okay, right, like $5... It- <laughs> Definitely, I can launder that. Okay, okay. Money laundering is like no problem. Um, a dollar—that's pushing it. But if it was like, if it was a fifty-cent piece, just like a one, one of those one. John F. Kennedy coins. Okay, that's like you know those are rare. Yes. Those are worth okay. like fifty cents, man. Yeah. But if it was two up. quarters, but you if, wouldn't pick it. If up. it was two quarters, no, no way. I can find two quarters elsewhere. <laughs> I originally had it like, uh, what's the lowest you'd pick up off the ground? But then I thought the porta potty would be better. That's better. All right. 
pizza or buffalo wings? Mm, it depends on if I'm eating alone or with other people. Because if it was just myself, pizza. I could eat a whole pizza, but I'm not sharing my pizza with anybody. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, but you'd share buffalo wings? Oh, yeah. Huh. Like, I love getting, like, buffalo wings with, like, all the different sauces. Mm, yes. And then like, trying. And then, like, everyone can like, yes. try each one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And last but not least, favorite Star Wars movie? Um, that's, ooh, that's the hardest question anyone could ask. <laughs> <laughs> favorite Star Coming Wars right here favorite the... Star Wars movie today. Today mine is ever changing. Uh you know, I'm probably still gonna have to say Revenge of the Sith. Mm. It's yes. probably my all time favorite. Yeah, that is a great one. That is a great one. Most it has the most killing of children per movie, so Is that bonus points or is that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, but uh, no, I love Revenge of the Sith. Um it's pretty high on my list. Okay. Now let's talk about... I think Revenge of the Sith was the first movie premiere I ever went to. Oh, really? Yeah. The first one you like the first one you saw in theaters. You didn't go to the premiere with like... No, not like the... <laughs> not in uh, Hollywood, but like the first like midnight showing. Yes, yes. Um, I was like me and my cousins. We were all like dressed up in costume. Nice. It was so much fun. Uh, I only ever went to see one movie at midnight in a theater. Um, and I'm ashamed to say that it was, um, Breaking Dawn part one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a real cliffhanger, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. yeah. Did it get you back for part two? No, no, it didn't. It turns out that, uh, I was probably the oldest one there at like 20 years old or whenever that movie came out, but yeah, it was kind of strange. Let's talk about Krennic. All right. All right. So the movie kind of starts off. Krennic is one of the first people we see in the movie. Um, it starts off on the I forget what planet it was, but with the um, with Galen Erso's farm, and we get um, Krennic swooping in in his ship and parking way too far away. Oh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Just so you can march in with his death troopers. Yes. Yes. He's and, all about the drama. Yeah. And okay, so he's got his like you know flowing cape and like he's got his like you know all blacked out death troopers the death troopers i thought were like severely underused in the movie i felt like they were kind of like the um knights of ren where like you keep like expecting them to be like some sort of awesome group and they don't really do much yeah just when they could come in handy they just kind of disappear right right and they're like they're like really scary because they like have it like you know kind of like voices and but uh yeah, I was kind of disappointed by the Death Troopers. I mean, they're so cool to look at, but um, so we get him right off the bat, and uh, I love one of the first lines that he uses. Um, he's talking about bringing Galen back for to finish the work. Um, the work is stalled on the Death Star, and uh, Galen. They're talking about like he says we were this close to bringing peace and security to the galaxy, whatever, and Galen's like. You're confusing peace with terror, I think is what he says. Um, and Krennic says, well, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> right. And it's just like one, it's just like, that's like the whole attitude of Krennic. Um, it's like, he, he doesn't really seem to care about um, what's going to happen as long as he's in charge, I feel like. Um one of the questions I had sent to you was, how does he stack up as a villain in Star Wars? Um, what do you think about that? Um, as I was watching this, I was like gaining a lot of points for like him being like a top villain in Star Wars. But then it was after, and then I was trying to compare him, like, okay, how does he rank up against Vader? How does he rank mm-hmm. up against uh, General Grievous or Darth Maul. And I realized pretty much any villain with a lightsaber automatically trumps him no matter what. <laughs> yes. Yep. He like he can't even hope like no matter how many like little badges he has on his uniform, he can't <laughs> hope to ever be as cool as any like Sith villain. Right. But like I think like the main kind of villains that he is uh like up for comparison is like uh Moff Tarkin, uh Grand Admiral Thrawn, yeah. even in the Mandalorian, Moff Gideon yeah. is like a very similar kind of character. Yeah. And I think of those ones, he's probably like third. Uh, like I think I my favorites are Thrawn, then Gideon, 
then uh, Krennic, yeah. and then Tarkin. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he's kind of on a different like plane. Um, more of the like brain kind of villain than the force, like the like just like brute force strength kind of villain. Like yeah, yeah. Vader and Maul and um, Grievous are just like yeah, they're more like um, combat villains where right and they're like they're villains for different groups of people right whereas like the sith are like the antagonist of the jedi mm-hmm. and like krennic is more of the antagonist of like the the rebel alliance right right and so like they're like two like different like worlds that yeah. like don't really mix um which puts him at a kind of a strange spot because he's like he's trying to impress vader and the emperor throughout the whole movie that's like um i didn't really you did it i mean how you just described him as a villain was pretty good because to me, I was just like, well, he doesn't really stack up too well as a villain. Uh, I don't know that like, um, but once you like separate the groups, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But for me, I was like, he's more just like, um, he's not that menacing. He's more just like annoying kind of, and like constantly wants to impress Vader and the emperor. Um, and he's more just seeking power than like looking to do harm on people. I feel like yeah. he'll do whatever it takes to gain power. It doesn't really matter what it is. I don't feel like he doesn't really, like, he's not creating the Death Star because he wants to blow up planets. He's creating the Death Star to impress the Emperor for whatever kinds yep. of accolades. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so what do we know about Krennic? Um, you had read something. I remember when I asked you, like, what kind of topic, and you're like, well, I just read this book about something, and Krennic was a big part of it, and that was, like, six months ago, so it's been a while since yeah, you read the it's book. it's been a while. <laughs> and I was, I was planning, like, well, like, by the time we record this, I can probably reread it, but... Uh, <laughs> I didn't give you much notice. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, it was, I was, uh, at the beginning of the year, or I guess it was, like, towards the end of last year when the last season of Mandalorian was coming out, and they were talking... Uh, spoilers in case anyone hasn't seen it, but Ahsoka was like, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? Mm-hmm. And um, I had not seen Rebels at that point, so I didn't really know. I knew that Thrawn was like a big character in Star Wars Legends, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't know much about him um, other than he was complicated and he was like a fan favorite for um, the OG Star Wars fans. Yeah. But so I, I went in, I read the new uh, Timothy Zahn series. Mm. I think it like started in 2017. Yeah. And I read all three of them and I think it was in the second or the third one um, Krennic was like he w- wasn't like a huge part of it, but he was like a main part of the the plot where Thrawn was tasked with um, like one one area of the navy was being like under attack or they were like losing resources or something I can't remember. And Krennic like there were like two like big projects that the Empire was both like funding to try to like take down to like assert their authority one was the death star and one was thrawn's tie defender so like tie fighters with like shields and like hyperspace um and krennic was he like kept having problem after problem after problem trying to build and develop the death star and he kept running out of funding so he was trying to divert funding from elsewhere so he was hoping if he could make thrawn look bad then Mm -hmm. the empire would divert funds from his tie defender program to the death star so he tried to like trick Thrawn into um, going to like take care of this problem, like under the plan that like oh if he can't do it in like this time frame, then it's agreed that I will take his funds to build the Death Star. Oh okay. And so and then it was like back and forth between like him and Tarkin, and like Tarkin was trying to like uh, suppress the Death Star because he didn't like Krennic and all all this drama. So <laughs> yeah, it's um, when you talk about Thrawn. Um, I haven't seen any canon Thrawn at all. Um, well, I haven't seen, I'd never got to the part in Rebels where he was a part of it. Um, I started reading the first new Thrawn book. Um, I think my doorbell just rang. Hang on. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. All right, listeners, because it's just you and me now. Ryan's going to check the door. Um, I will um, read some of my poetry because I know you're all so much a fan of Ryan's poetry. Um, So here it goes. Uh, A mighty camel flying in the air. Uh, He likes to uh, eat the birds, but don't despair. 
the birds uh, taste like marshmallows. And that is why the camel learned to fly. Great. I'm glad that you are all a part of this journey with me. Um, I'll be here all night. Also, Ryan's not back yet, so I don't really know what else to do. He's probably going to have such a fun time editing this episode when he hears this after he comes back. Ryan, future Ryan, this is for you. Shout out to you. Hello from the past. Okay, I'm back. Great. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. It was just my neighbor telling me that my windows were down while it was raining. So, Welcome back to the Sort of Star Wars <laughs> podcast. Oh, man. All that running. Whew. Okay. Um, what was I talking about? Thrawn, right? Right. So, Thrawn. Um, yes, I, I had started reading the first book, and um, I was a huge fan of, of Thrawn from the original movies or original books back in the 80s that are not canon. Um, but as I understand, he's basically the same character, um, just like super, like almost can predict the future type of character. He's so... Yeah, just like so like strong tactical knowledge yes. and strategy. Yes. Um, so I imagine that didn't go well for Krennic when he tried to outsmart Thrawn because um, pretty much nobody can do that. Right. Um, so the only other thing, I mean, in the only other thing I found useful on Wikipedia about um, Krennic was a little bit about him and Galen Erso's background. Um, so I guess they went to school together. They both went to the same school called the Grand Republic Futures Program. Right. Which is like the Xavier School for the Gifted. Um, Hitler Youth. <laughs> yes. Something like that. It's like super smart people go here, right? It's like a mm -hmm. Ivy League type of thing. Um, and then from there, he was, he went into, um, Krennic went into the Republic Corps of Engineers. Corps? You say corpse or core? Core. <laughs> the core of engineers. <laughs> yeah, the Republic had a corpse, just <laughs> an engineer's corpse that he went right into. <laughs> Uh, where he oversaw deep space projects, which makes sense um, why he's working with the Death Star then. Um, mm -hmm. But then he got back to working with Galen Erso when he Galen was working um, on kyber crystals, uh, studying kyber crystals. And Krennic um, basically tricked Galen into helping him with the Death Star. He told uh, Galen that it was to make like sustainable energy. Um, from the kyber crystals when actually he just planned to weaponize it um, and that's what he did so because um, we get these flashbacks in the movie of galen and krennic and lyra you know hanging out having drinks and stuff like that and you do kind of get the idea that they're friends i mean not lyra and krennic by any means but definitely mm -hmm. galen and krennic galen's happy you know and krennic's smiling while he's drinking and stuff like that um it's kind of interesting to think about the history because he's 51 years old when this movie takes place um, and they've known each other since they were 15, um, which kind of explains why once he found out that Galen was the one who leaked the information that he didn't have him killed immediately. Yeah. I think, I mean, just watching it, you don't really know that. Like he kills the other five or six engineers or scientists, but he doesn't kill Galen and Galen's the reason why it happened. So, um, another question I'd sent was: Is Krennic a bad guy, or does he just work for bad people? Uh, as I was watching the movie, I was like racking up evidence where, like, oh yeah, this guy's terrible. <laughs> he just like does so many evil things. But like as you said, like he doesn't really have evil goals. Like he's not like I want to like destroy the Jedi or I want to like eradicate like races or anything. It's more like he just wants as much uh, influence in mm -hmm. the new empire as possible. And because of that, he's willing to do evil things to like get there. Right. He's willing to like backstab trick, like manipulate cut corners, like anything in yeah. order to like get what he wants. 
and like that like makes him like a bad guy but in like a totally different way than how um like vader's a bad guy in the movies I, it's pretty similar to i guess how darth sidious like rose to power right like playing like both sides like tricking people so yeah it's kind of a different um, kind of a different bad guy or villain than we see in the other movies um right it's kind of like how we talked about before how he doesn't use like strength and force to take what he wants um a lot of manipulation and they did um talk about how um i remember reading about how like they um his force of manipulation was very strong like he could um like a lot of people knew he could talk someone into doing something which makes sense how he talked galen into you know working on the death start to begin with um right do you think that um throughout the movie krennic changed at all um previously on the podcast here we talked about uh Jin and cassian and both of them from the beginning to the end of the movie changed a whole lot um their goals changed their um outlooks changed um what about krennic do you think anything changed with him you had sent me that that question uh, and as, as i was watching the movie like at the end i just like came to this this question i wrote like one no i was just like lol no nope. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, like, pretty much he had so many chances to like reevaluate what like his like his intentions were or reevaluate like the death star or like cuz he was in charge like spe- not just of the development and construction of the death star but also of the security like the secrecy of the whole project like that's why he wears like the white uniform is because he's like a security officer oh, so he's okay. in charge of like making sure that no one ever finds out about this death star because like the emperor feels that if anyone finds out that we're building a super weapon, then the entire Senate, the Imperial Senate, will defect and join the rebels mm. because they won't want to be part. And so it's before, like, I think it's in A New Hope where they dissolve the Senate right. and just say, like, we will just assert authority, not by, like, politics, but just by fear of the Death Star. Right. So it's before any of this. They're, like, trying to, like, not let anybody. So, like, Krennic's in charge of that. And, like, he uh, he fails, like, so bad. Like, like all the secrets and, like... Uh, intelligence keeps slipping to the to the rebels, and he like tries his hardest, but like he never like reevaluates where he's at. He just tries to like whatever problems start to arise, just like blow it all up. He takes death troopers with him, and if anyone like questions it, or if he ever is like worried, he just like kills him. And the only like way that he changes throughout the movie is just like he gets more and more desperate yeah. to come out on top, even like to the point that the um. Like, the Rebels are in the process of sending the Death Star plans, which is, like, the biggest failure. Like, the entire project, like, they're sending him up, and he goes out there without any of his bodyguards, without (laughs) anything, just to try to, like, stop them. Uh, And it leads to, like, one, it leads to his death, but it also leads to the, like, eventual destruction when they blow up the Death Star, the destruction of his, like, entire life's work. Yeah. So, like, pretty much his aspiration and motivation just leads to, like complete and utter failure yeah and it's funny like I'm tr- i was trying to remember just now is he the one that called for vader or did somebody else call for vader i did tarkin call for vader to come in i think tarkin called for vader okay. they said like vader will like handle the fleet we're just gonna blow up the planet oh or right, the city right, or whatever. right and like it was like uh krennic would have never asked somebody else to come in and try to help him in the situation like once the beach right. started blowing up on scarif and he's there, and he's like, oh, the Death Star plans are here. And, you know, the Death Star plans were just... I mean, we just had this defector, and, like, he he could have asked for more assistance than what was there. Now, they had the shield gate around the whole thing, so it's unlikely that, you know, anybody would escape or come in. Um, but he could have asked for Vader a lot sooner, and it would have solved a lot of problems, but he was too prideful uh, to ask for any help and wanted to kind of take care of it by himself. Um and yeah, you just get the constant, like him, he constantly brings up, oh, are you going to tell the emperor about how successful this was? Or, you know, and then right. like when Tarkin's like, no, I'm going to tell him that I'm in charge of the project now. And, you know, and then so he just like, Krennic just like goes around Tarkin and he like goes straight to Vader's house. <laughs> like, right. like, imagine if you're, if you ask your supervisor a question and they say no, and you just like knock on your boss's front door <laughs> and you're like, Hey, uh, I know you're kind of busy at your house, but uh, I'm having a problem here. <laughs> um, so I like that. 
like Vader, um, during that scene, he like, uh, Krennic at the end says, so I'm still in charge then. Um, and he's saying I'm still in charge basically from Vader telling him to clean up his mess. Vader's like, get control of the situation. And, uh, Krennic's like, so I'm in charge then, and Vader, that's when he does the greatest, like, be careful not to choke on your aspirations. Uh, I love that scene. I love Vader in this movie. Such a good, such a good Vader. It's a good thing that Rogue One didn't come out before uh, Empire Strikes Back, otherwise that would have ruined the greatest twist of all time, because everyone would have already expected him to be a dad, based on his ability to (laughs) (laughs) deliver such excellent Excellent dad jokes. puns, yes, 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 yes. Um... What was I going to say? Something about Vader. I don't remember. Um, oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. Full full disclosure here. Um, I may have not watched the entire movie. So this is the fifth time I've watched it this year. Um, and sometimes I procrastinate. and um, So this time when I watched it, I'm like, I was going to like, skip all the non-Krennic scenes because I want to watch all the Krennic stuff or the scenes right. that like have to do with the Death Star and stuff like that. And I was surprised how little Krennic is in the actual movie. Um, yeah. And then I got to when Krennic dies at the end and I was like, ah, no, I still got to watch the Vader part. I still got to watch the Vader part. Yep. That's the best <laughs> part ever. Um, That's the only part worth yes, watching. Yes, yes, So I watched the, the Vader part. Oh, so good. So good. Um, what uh, uh, what is oh is Krennic the best dresser best dressing villain in all of the galaxy? Oh, okay, best dressing villain. Best, yeah, I changed it okay. to best dressing villain, not the best dresser in all the galaxy. Obviously, that's Queen Amidala, but uh. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I did. I, so you, originally it was just best dresser, right. and I was like, well, like he does like. Uh, have the like taste for luxury because he adds the cape yes, to his yes. uh, his uh, uniform. But I was like, but he lacks variety. I mean, it's just the only one cape that yes, we ever see. Yes. I mean, Lando Lando loves That's capes, true. but we also see him in several capes. Plus, Lando has a mustache and Krennic doesn't, yeah. so he loses points there. Yeah, but I did have the note like overall best dresser has to be Queen Amidala. Yeah. So. Well, even like Palpatine in his uh, in the prequel trilogy, he does pretty good with his outfits too. Very. Uh, long right. flowing gowns and like the sleeves that go way past his arms and the purples and the reds and he knows how to he knows how to dress as well so all those corrupt politicians yes. they know fashion yeah. better than anybody yep yep um i wonder if like somebody else dresses them like they go out to like you know the senate floor and before they go out there they're like who are you wearing <laughs> <laughs> they're getting their hair and makeup done yeah, exactly by little ugnots or something so <laughs> the little ets yes um what is your favorite quote by Krennic? All right. Um, so I wrote a couple down. Honestly, like, he it is true. He's, like, in the movie very little. I think it's only, like, 10 minutes of runtime in the whole oh, movie. Oh, really? And he's only in, like, a handful of scenes. Um, and, like, he's probably one of the most memorable parts of the movie. Like, you walk away... Like, the things you take away are, like, him and, like, his scenes and how he, like, commanded attention when he was on screen and everything. Yeah. But his dialogue was never really that great. Mm, yeah. Like, he didn't have, like, a ton of memorable lines. I think probably his most memorable line was actually from the trailer that wasn't even in the movie. And it was when he was talking to Vader and he says, the power we are dealing with here is immeasurable. Oh, okay. And um, I think they cut it because they wanted him to see more like afraid of vader mm. and timid and like nervous instead of like um confident in his abilities or anything but um, yeah i think like almost all of the trailer got scrapped um when right. they came out with the movie like i don't think any scenes in the trailer actually made it to the movie which is kind of fun i actually do kind of like that because now yeah. now you see a trailer and you've seen almost the whole movie so yeah um, I liked his like very first line in the movie was when he was walking up to Galen and he goes, you're a hard man to find Galen, but farming really <laughs> a man of your talents. Yeah. Um, I like in that same scene when uh, it's uh, he, he obviously thinks that Galen is lying about Lyra being dead. And then when Lyra pops up with like her 
clothes in her hands or whatever she has. And he's like, oh, look, it's a miracle. It's Lyra back from the dead. He's just like so sarcastic. Right? Like he knew the yeah. whole time. Um, and Lyra, troublesome as ever. Um, when I was talking to, when I had uh, Valerie on the episode, uh, on the podcast, she talked about how in Catalyst, I think it was, um, the book where they talked about how Lyra was like, her and Krennic butted heads a lot. Um, so she had like a lot of attitude uh, towards Krennic um, and the Empire, I think. So it makes sense when Krennic says, uh, Lyra, troublesome as ever. Because um, that was just her personality. Right. That's that's pretty cool. Um, um, I think one of the other lines that I uh, that just made me laugh is when the they start seeing on Scarif they're in the tower and they start seeing all these explosions on the beach and everyone just kind of yes. stands there like what and he turns around he's like are we blind yes. deploy the garrison yes. and it just made me laugh because it reminded me of all these memes um, where it's like anytime like in the Clone Wars anytime something like mildly annoying happens to Anakin or Anakin like starts to like break the Jedi code or anything like Dave Filoni's like are we blind <laughs> play the Imperial March <laughs> and just like yes. other things like yes. that um. Yeah, the the other line that I like from him um, is the uh, when he's talking to right after they destroy Jeddah uh, with a Death Star, and Tarkin's like, "I'm going to take over now." Basically, is what he's saying. Um, he says the line, um, "We stand here amidst my achievement, not yours." And I use that line all the time at home. <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> when somebody tries to when someone tries to take credit for what I did. Um, wow. and also when the city's blowing up and he says, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> like it's, yeah, yeah. Like that scene when like, wow. they're like down on Jetta and like everything is absolute chaos. And like K2 is like, there's a problem with the horizon. There's no horizon. And you know, they're all like, all these people are flooding out of the, um, town to try and get to their spacecraft. And uh, then you like zoom out to where they are looking at it. And it's like this awesome looking like mushroom cloud with like this expanding like dust wall. And it is, I mean, it does look cool. And like he's, it's like so quiet up there. Nobody's talking. Everybody's just looking at it. He's like, oh, it's beautiful. (laughs) And yeah. He has like, it just shows that he has no empathy for human life or anything. He's just willing to like do whatever he can to like. Uh, exemplify his greatness. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, those are probably my uh, favorite lines. Yeah, I think the only other line that I had on here that was worth it was just like uh, his very last line, and it was when um, he was out on the like catwalk or whatever with uh, Jin, and he goes, "The shield is up. Your signal will never reach the rebel base. All the ships here will be destroyed. I lose nothing." But time, you on the other hand, die with the rebellion. Yeah. But like just as he was finishing that, he got shot. <laughs> yes. And the rebellion lived on. Yes. So <laughs> And then he's laying there on the catwalk and looks up to see the Death Star coming out of hyperspace. Oh, I love that part. Like he literally is looking into the thing that he created that's about to destroy him. Uh right. Yes. He, he probably didn't even have time to like uh understand like the irony right, of the situation right. he just like looked up saw it and then boom. <laughs> yeah and i like that when the the laser shoots down it like doesn't just hit the city it hits like through yes. the tower exactly where he was yep. at and then like yeah. hits the ground below yeah. him so it is interesting how the death star is different in this now i don't know if the final one um when they blow up scarif is like the full power um because when they dro- when they blow up jetta city um, they talk about how like they're only doing like a, what does he call it? Not like a, like a single, single reactor. reactor. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they do that and it only blows up the town where we're used to previously in movies, the jet or the death star, just like, bam, the whole planet's gone. Right. Um, cause right. we only see it. We only see the death star work one other time, right. On Alderaan. It doesn't ever do anything. Yeah, I think we see the Death Star, the first Death Star on Alderaan, and then other than that, I think we see like Starkiller Base yeah. blow up like the New Republic or whatever. Starkiller Base doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, right, you're gonna suck everything out of the sun to destroy planets, but like most solar systems only have one 
well, I don't know. Our solar system only has one sun. Can they just suck from any star or does it have to be like a huge star? Or is it just like the de- that whole star killer base doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll deep dive into that <laughs> in another episode. <laughs> uh, Figuring out the- I did um, read something that I thought was interesting about the name Death Star. Um, so Chirrut says the strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. And the kyber crystals are what are powering the Death Star. Um, so, like, it's a perfect name for the Death Star because it's it requires the death of a star to power this super oh, weapon. Oh, wow. Um, so, I thought that was interesting. I had never thought about that before. I just thought it was a really cool name. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I was along kind of the same lines. Um, not Well, not really, but just, like, the, the project name, while it was, like, being secret, they would refer to it as Project Stardust. Mm. Um, and I was noticing, I'd noticed for the first time I was, as I was watching it, that that's what like Jin's mm-hmm. nickname was right. as a child. Like that's what her father called her. And then, but that's also like what the, the Death Star was called. It was called Project Stardust. And it was super interesting that like what, like that's how she was able to find it was it was like right. under like the names, like the file Stardust in the archives. Yeah. But. yeah. Um, if you could change one thing about Rogue One. What would it be? Um, like overall, I love Rogue One. I think it's like the like it's the most like self-contained Star Wars movie. It's like I I think it's like the best one for first-time viewers to like get into the Star Wars universe. Um, it's got all of like the essential uh, characteristics that make it a Star Wars movie. Um, but I think it's just for people that are already like for fans that are already familiar with the rest of the saga watching rogue one feels like there's like very low stakes Mm. because like they know like like spoiler alert (laughs) the whole crew dies but like the like the rebels still get the plans and so it's like not much uh like rogue one doesn't really have a legacy going into like uh like sequential movies or whatever other than the death star plans that you see like leia um have in in uh, a new hope but so i think one thing that they could have done differently was either um include a member or a character that we are already familiar with that has already been established in other episodes like from the prequels or something that joins like the rogue one crew from uh yavin or have one of the crew members survive or make it off Scarif so that he could like live with the trauma or something or just have like be a bigger deal like if he was in future movies right. like being able to be further developed yeah. but it's just like they, they that's probably just the main problem is that like they develop these characters really well I think just to like end them so quickly yeah. like at the end yeah that was that like we don't get to live with like the development continuing or anything yeah like. that's the hardest part about this movie like all the characters that you Learn to love through the movie are dead at the end of it. Um, the yeah, and it, I whenever I watch this one, I always think like, if you ever get called as an actor to be a part of a Star Wars movie, it's Star Wars has kind of like a thing like, oh well, you're probably gonna be in more than one movie, right? There's not that many just right. one-off characters, like main characters in a Star Wars movie. Like, oh, I got cast as the main role in a Star Wars movie. You think, oh, it's gonna be like two or three or four or six or nine movies uh yeah 20 years from now they're gonna make a show right, and i'm gonna like come right, back and- right but then you find out you get cast as you know Jin, and you're like oh this is the only movie the only star wars movie i mean you get to be in a star war which was pretty awesome but like this is the only one that i'm gonna be in now cassian they're making a prequel series for which is pretty cool um yeah that's like the the like loophole yes oh well we can do a prequel right. and then you can be in more things right. so we'll have him say a line about when he's six years old and everyone's gonna wonder what happened when he was six years old so we can always flash back to that <laughs> and uh right. yeah we can fill in the gaps there so star wars always leaves these huge gaps that uh are begging to be filled in so they leave huge gaps but they always like make shows and movies in the same right like, <laughs> right not in the gaps like, like uh, at the end of the gaps yep. they just like working their way towards the very middle of the gaps yeah right that's like when like have you been watching the bad batch i have not i've not been watching oh yeah it's um 
I've, you know, it's it's okay. I've been watching it. And I've kind of been enjoying it. Uh, I don't know how, like, like what they're going to do with it. and But it's just, I wasn't super thrilled because it was just like, here's another show that's set in between uh, the end of the Clone Wars and, like, A New yeah. Hope. Yeah. So it's just, like, in between three and four where there's already so much. There's, like, two movies. There's, like, a whole show. And so they're just, like, adding a whole other show yeah. in there. So uh, I don't know if this is insensitive or not, but, like, the clones were my least favorite part of the Clone Wars uh, show. Um, I was always there for like the like lightsabers and force stuff, you know, Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan type of stuff and Darth Maul and that kind of thing. Right. And then when season seven came out and the first three episodes were the Bad Batch, I was like so severely disappointed that like I wasn't seeing, you know, Ahsoka and Anakin and stuff like that. Um, and then the next three episodes i got you know ahsoka and then ahsoka and anakin and darth maul and so like the bad batch was like you know i watched them i enjoyed watching them but like they were pretty low on my like need to watch type of uh list right um but i think i'm just gonna wait until this whole season is done and try and just like binge them probably but i've never been a person to do that but i don't know i just have very low interest in Bad Batch. I don't know what it is, but I've heard some things that have kind of piqued my interest. They're like, no, you should really watch it because, you know, there's some things you're probably not expecting in it. Um, So I think I will have to check it out. But yeah, yeah, it's like, it surprised me um, and it's been more enjoyable than I thought it was, but still it's, uh, it's kind of like falling for like the same, like, problems i guess as like the early seasons of the clone wars where it's just like really hard to like keep my attention mm. it's like uh like there's enjoyable parts but each episode is just like overall it's kind of boring yeah. and i walk away like oh, i didn't really get much from that episode yeah so. that's that's that was clone wars i like there's like i'll have to get through all these episodes just to get to like one like one where like asajj and obi-wan fight for like you know five minutes like I don't really care about like C-3PO and R2 going on some wacky adventure for four episodes. Like show me some lightsabers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or just seeing like a, like a space fight with like some random like separatist general for like, like the same like plot just with a different separatist general, (laughs) like 10 times. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Um, uh, any other thoughts, Josh, on, Rogue One or Krennic or Star Wars in general? Um, I did find when I was researching that like the relationship between Galen and Krennic was actually like had historic parallels, uh, based on like some drama that happened in the development of like the Manhattan Project where they were building the like atom bomb okay. uh in World War Two. I didn't really look into it very further, but it, it said, like, Krennic bears resemblance to Leslie Groves, who spearheaded the development of the atom okay. bomb, alongside uh, Robert Oppenheim, yeah. who was, like, like a potential analog for Galen Erso. Yeah. And so I, I don't know much about those two people, but I just thought that was interesting that, um, that like, that whole, like, element of the movie, like, very much resembles, like, something that happened in real life, where someone was, like trying to build a super weapon like without like much consideration of like human lives um just to like win like favor politically right and using a scientist who like isn't interested in destruction he's interested in like figuring out how something works i remember i looked into this a little bit before um there is it's yeah, Oppenheimer is the guy. Um, uh, what does he say here? There's like a famous, kind of famous quote by him. Um, like, he has one that says, Now I am become death. Um, the destroyer of worlds is something that that guy you talked about, Oppenheimer, said. Um, like, he didn't, he wasn't interested in destroying worlds with the atom bomb. He was interested in like researching whatever it was that they used. I don't know the atom, I guess, but um, it's just interesting how science can change into weapon. And I feel like we see that a lot in like the Marvel stuff. Um, Constantly there's a scientist who's researching something and then 
a guy with a bad idea comes in and is like, well, we could use that to make a weapon out of it. And, you know, and right. we see a lot of that in the Marvel universe. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I had heard that they had used Oppenheimer as like a basis for Urso, uh, but I, I didn't know there was somebody else that existed that was the Krennic to uh, the Oppenheimer, but that's cool. Yeah. And like, I think that's like, it is like uh, like a pretty overdone trope, I guess, in media where it's like new technology that can be used to like save the world, but also like it can be weaponized to destroy right. the world. But like the like unfortunate part about that is that's like very very like uh, realistic right. to like what's like what happens in the world yeah. all the time. Like I'm studying chemical engineering right now in college, and there are like several parts, like several like times where I'm reading my textbook, and it's just like. Like, when, like, uranium atoms, like, decay, it, like, makes this, like, chain reaction. And if you contain the chain reaction, like, you can, like, harness the energy and use that energy, like, sustainably or whatever. But, like, all you have to do is, like, make it go, like, like critical, super critical, and it can be a bomb. Oh. And people, like, use that. So, it's just, like, like so many times where it's, like, this can be, like, so helpful, but it can also be weaponized. Right. So, it's, like, it's just you know, the world's a scary place yeah. and like star Wars is like the best, like analogy for like how the world is. Right. So you and Galen are basically the same person. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except I'm not as good looking as uh what's his name? Mods Mickelson. I don't know what his name is, but I like his, I like his man bun for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Um, we can go into the uh, fact of the podcast. If that's cool. Oh, yes. I'm so okay, excited. Okay. We would be honored if you would join us. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. As you wish. So this episode, we're talking about Ryan Johnson, um, who essentially had nothing to do with the movie other than he had a cameo. Um, so Ryan Johnson was the director of The Last Jedi, um, writer and director, I should say. And he played an Imperial Stormtrooper controlling the death star's super laser in this movie so he had a cameo that we couldn't see his face but that was him i wonder if it was uh, i don't know which guy it was exactly but i'm hoping it's the guy that like pulls the lever like <laughs> if i was someone in, involved in star wars just barely i'd be like let me be the guy that makes that sound happen i want to make that yeah. sound yeah then again, like anyone can claim that they had a cameo in Star Wars as a stormtrooper. Yeah. I mean, I was in this movie. I was the stormtrooper oh. with the helmet on that threw the bomb into the uh, to blow up uh, Bodhi or whatever in a ship. Oh, that was yeah. I could tell by the way he walked uh, and his Riot Media shirt that kind of gave it away. Yeah, right. <laughs> and his sort of Star Wars shoes. He was wearing his sort of Star Wars shoes. How do you like those bucket yep. feet shoes? I like them a lot, actually. They're they like at first they were like. Hard to like break yeah. in, and they kind of give me blisters on the back yep. of my feet. Same, but now they're like very comfortable, yeah. and they're like my go-to nice. shoes anywhere nice. I go. Yeah, that was my. I was like, man, I just spent this money on these shoes, and like they hurt my feet immediately. And I was like, I think I just got to keep wearing them. And then because I talked to a guy at work, and he was he had got a couple pairs of the Vans slip-ons. And he said it's the same thing. You just gotta wear them for a couple days, and they're good. So that's what I did. And those, uh, yeah, mine are pretty pretty good. I like wearing them now. So. And that is your Star Wars random fact of the podcast, that Josh was in a Star Wars movie. The Force will be with you, always. Uh, all right. Well, I think we'll pretty much wrap it up. Thanks, Josh, for being here. Thank you. And um, like I said earlier in the show, Josh has his very own podcast, which I listen to every time it comes out. I love it. Um, Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Okay. Uh so my wife and I started a podcast when we got married last year, and our podcast is called Thanks for Participating. And each episode, we take turns introducing each other to um, things that we have enjoyed in childhood or places we've been or activities. And so it's really fun. Um, we recently just uh, had a trip to Mesa Verde National Park in Colorado, and we recorded an episode on that trip. And that episode should be coming out next week, hopefully on Wednesday. So... Keeping it out for that. It should be a really great episode. Nice. Yeah, I like the... It's so hard to come up with original ideas for podcasts now because there's a million or 79 billion. I don't know how many podcasts there are. But like 
talking about Star Wars on a podcast is not an original idea. Um, there's thousands of Star Wars podcasts, but like I feel like your idea is very original, um, and it's something like that I would have never thought of, and I think it's awesome. Um, has it convinced me to watch HR Puff and stuff? No. <laughs> But it was, it, <laughs> that was uh, that was our intention. We don't want anyone watching that show. <laughs> we did the hard yeah. work for you. It was interesting to hear about, and that's awesome. I'm excited to hear Mesa Verde uh, Mesa Verde uh, episode because um, we were there when I was 15, and it was super cool. I loved it. Um, such a cool place. So um, I look forward to listening to that one. So, um, and uh, where can people find you on social media, Josh? Um, I'm on Instagram at Josh is rich. Um, and then my podcast, thanks for participating. I think I technically have a Twitter, I think also at Josh is rich, but I like, don't know how to use it. <laughs> I don't think I have like any followers or I'm following anybody yet. I'm so definitely a follower. Wanna, like jump on there. I'm definitely a follower. <laughs> okay. of, thanks for, thanks for participating. I don't know about Josh is rich, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, like our podcast is at TFP underscore pod on instagram i think on twitter it's tfp underscore show but uh you can just like do your best to try to find us maybe we'll <laughs> maybe you'll be successful maybe you won't be i'll but... try and put the links in the uh, show notes does anybody look at show okay, notes awesome. like i don't know if people look at those or not um i try to put as much information as i can in the show notes but i don't look at show notes when i don't listen to a podcast so <laughs> right. unless the people say in the podcast this information is in the show notes. Then I'm like, oh, okay. Then I'll look for that. But sometimes if they like reference like a, a YouTube video yeah. or like something online, and they're just like, well, we can't like show our listeners, but we'll like put the right. link in the show right. notes. Then I'll like look for it, <laughs> try yeah. to find it. So, but yeah, thanks again, Josh, for being here. Uh, Thank thanks you. everyone for listening, and be safe, be courteous. Bye. Bye. See you later, Aggie.